Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home an auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> all right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome, everyone, to episode 128 of the NBA podcast. We have made it through the 2017-18 regular season, and the playoffs are just around the corner. So today, we're going to preview the first round of the Eastern Conference playoff bracket. Before we get underway, wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handle, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're being hosted now on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so follow them on Twitter at Almighty Casts. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's going well, Brian. It's been a, a long season. It's done now, at least the regular season. So now we're on to the actual good teams, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, lots to talk about, I feel. And and we should just shout out... Real- Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Real quick, all the people who's been, uh, you know, hitting us up on Twitter asking, you know, where's the latest pod? And mm-hmm. we're a little bit late on the last one. Our apologies. Things got a little bit murky during the switch up, like going from one network to another. Yep. Just had some hiccups. It's fine. It's it's all resolved now. Uh, yep. So if you haven't checked out our awards uh, pod Go back, find us on iTunes. It's right there. Yes, or follow us on Twitter. We've been tweeting out the link as well, and you can hear Mort's Rookie of the Year pick, which had a more surprising twist than the latest season of The Bachelor. <laughs> that That's right. I, I chose Laurie Markkinen. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know, I was actually, I don't know, while we were like, making the switch and I was going back to our iTunes page, I realized now we've been doing this podcast for two years. Uh, and our second episode was the one where right after Sam Hinkie resigned. So I went back and listened to the first few minutes of it. <laughs> and I sound so sad. And like part of <laughs> like part of it is because I also I had like a whole medical ordeal that day and like I was diagnosed with a bulging disc and got a shot in my back to like make oh, me not that. feel feelings. Yeah, it was terrible. But like I it really in the first three minutes of that episode I sounded like I was on the verge of tears the entire time. <laughs> so 
to go from that two years ago to now, the Sixers have won 16 straight games and are the number three seed. They won 52 games overall. It's surreal, man. So we will we'll talk about them uh, and all the other Eastern teams. But let's we're, let's start with the number one seed Raptors, who get the number eight seed Wizards. They split the season series two to two. So far, I'm actually pleasantly surprised. I expected to see a lot more people picking the Wizards in this series just because of the typical, like, well, it's Toronto. Let's see them prove in the playoffs. And it, yeah. it seems like people are reaching the consensus that, yes, this Raptors team is better than previous iterations. They won 59 games of franchise record. You know, we've talked about how they overhauled their offense to cut back on isolations. Their bench, uh, I mean, it's one of the best in the league in terms of net rating. But we have mentioned in previous episodes, I think uh, three or four episodes ago now, we, we did a panic meter about the top NBA contenders. And one of our big reservations with the Raptors was, well, it's it's great to have a strong bench in the regular season. But once the playoffs roll around, teams often shorten their rotations, lean on their starters more mm-hmm. heavily, so on and so forth. Dwayne Casey has said he doesn't plan on doing that. He plans on keeping his rotation as is, leaning on his bench guys as much as he did during the regular season, and then if they prove him wrong, then he'll switch things up. Are you concerned about that going into this Washington matchup where you figure you know, the Wizards bench isn't as horrendous as it was last year, but it's still a clear weakness, so you got to figure the likes of John Wall... Bradley Beal, Otto Porter, all those guys are playing at least in the high 30s in terms of minutes. So are you concerned about how the Raptors bench is going to fare against a higher dose of the Wizards starters? Not not really, because we actually talked about this uh, a few episodes back in regards to how Toronto should approach the postseason. And we were both in agreement that why, you know, why remove something that's working? Mm-hmm. The the fact that they go so deep is is part of their weapon. It adds to the unpredictability of their offense. It, that you have a ton of shooters coming off the bench. You have guys who can dribble, penetrate, get into the lane, pass it off. So so you have these layers that you just need to complement to the starting unit. I would be more concerned if you were forcing, you know, Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozan and Jonas Valanciunas and and Serge Ibaka into these major 32, 35 minute roles, because that's not what they've been accustomed to all year long. Mm-hmm. So play to the strengths. If anything, I see it as a weakness on Washington's part if they are going to stretch all their guys' minutes, just because oh it's the playoffs, it's normal to do such a thing. I always hate that you know the that mentality of oh we used to do something like that. No, no. You know, play with what works. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Washington, though, now to flip it, they don't really have a bench. Yeah. I mean, they just signed Ty Lawson. That's right. something, but yep. that's not a big name. Um, and and I can't help but figure, I, I was even thinking about this earlier, like the Bulls signed Sean Kilpatrick a couple weeks back. Mm-hmm. Like, he would have made so much sense in Washington, wouldn't he? Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine. You're going to obviously get a lot of Kelly Oubre off the bench. You're going to get some Tomas Sadoransky. Yeah. Outside of that. Uh... But like, Kelly <laughs> Oubre at the four in a small ball lineup? I wouldn't hate that. No, no. I mean, Kelly, yeah, all, all the power to Kelly Oubre. Like, that top six or seven is great. But, like, after that, it gets 
dire very quickly. Yeah. So I, I'm assuming the Wizards go with like a very tight rotation in the playoffs. You'll get some, a couple minutes maybe from Mike Scott and from Jan Mahinmi, Jody Meeks, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm definitely expecting Beal Wall Porter all to play 38, 39 minutes a night. Markeith Morris up in the 30s. Marcin Gortat yeah. probably a little oh, higher yeah. as well. So, I mean, I'm with you. I'm not super concerned about the Raptors bench going up against Wizards starters because I think the Raptors bench, like, they're just because they're not name brand guys doesn't mean they're good, competent NBA players like Fred Van Vliet and DeLon Wright and CJ Miles and Siakam and Jakob Pertl. They've all proved it themselves this year I mean, oh yeah it's, it's not like they've only gone against all five reserves of every other team you know they've they've been playing against some starters all year so they have the experience and i think the fact that toronto leaned on them so heavily during the regular season is only going to help them in the playoffs because they they know they have a role like everyone has a fixed role whereas you know it's not like you're calling on these guys who haven't played in 20 plus games and you're telling them all right now we need you to do this that you haven't been accustomed to doing since you know the all-star break or something Mm. like that so yeah i'm not super concerned i mean i i think if the wizards do blow that bench off the floor Dwayne casey needs to be ready to shorten his rotation as well like he needs to be flexible and just see how it goes but if he's going into this matchup saying, I'm going to keep the rotation the same until the Wizards make me change my mind, I'm cool with that. Yeah, me too. That's, that's probably a good way to, to phrase it, honestly. I will say this, though. I do think that Toronto's starting unit, <clears throat> they do need a boost from especially Serge Ibaka. Mm-hmm. I, fe- I feel like he's been... Like we've talked about it a little bit. Like He's not exactly been declining, but he hasn't really grown better in recent years and these are supposed to be his prime years so there's a part of me that hopes that he's kind of been just coasting throughout the regular season and waiting for the playoffs to arrive mm-hmm. he's just it, too good to be passive yeah no it's a good point it's entirely possible i mean he is a guy who you could see i mean he, we we mentioned this before but lowry and DeRozan are the only two guys averaging more than 30 minutes a game mm. uh, a third at 27.5 so like yeah, I could see him getting up into the low 30s rather than the high 20s. And if his production boosts accordingly, that's great. But I, I do expect to see the Raptors continue with a 10 or even an 11-man rotation if Norman Powell gets some burn as well. Yep. Uh, we kind of looked at the Wizards now, board. I mean, on paper, this is like a this is probably the scariest first-round matchup on paper that the Raptors could have drawn just because this wizard starting five is battle tested in the playoffs and they have experience and they're all veteran guys. It's not like, you know, they're not leaning on a bunch of rookies or second year players like Toronto is off of the bench or with uh, OG, but (laughs) the wizards also can't seem to get out of their own way. Uh, Scotty Brooks, after they lost to the Hawks on Friday night, said the Wizards had been a selfish team and just really lit into them. He said, selfish basketball is no fun to coach, it's no fun to play with, and it's no fun to watch, and we're a selfish basketball team right now. And I just can't help but notice that that coincided with John Wall 
who recently returned from uh, knee surgery that mm. sidelined him for like uh, give or take two months. And you know when he went down, remember I think it was Gortat who tweeted something about like now the ball is starting to move. And Bradley oh, yeah. Beal had comments along those same lines, and they said they weren't throwing shade at Wall, but like it, it just feels like too much of a coincidence that all of these comments are lining up with or without Wall in the lineup. So you know the Wizards proved decidedly they are not better without John Wall. They really started to lose steam toward the end of the regular season. But do you think they have the potential to pull off this first round upset if they just keep their dysfunction in-house? Or do you think that's going to be one of their biggest issues? That's definitely going to be one of their biggest issues. They Look, this team is not supposed to be an eighth seed. Right. Look, look at just the backcourt alone. John Wall and Bradley Beal, that alone should put, especially in the Eastern Conference, should put a team in like at the sixth or fifth seed. Yeah. There are some definitely there are some internal struggles right there that uh, are preventing them from reaching their ceiling. Otto Porter is maybe one of the league's best third options in terms of this utility guy that he can be. Mm-hmm. And they're eighth. Yeah. It's, it's something has just been lacking all over, and all the the tweets and and the rumors about players not coexisting. I mean. Usually, a lot of that is just pull, and you can ignore it. But in this case, it, it seems to be legitimate. Um, it's it's been a theme, I think, even not not even just this year, but parts of last season as well. And with Wall having missed half a season, the other guys kind of got into it a little bit, find found a rhythm, and when he came back, he's a ball dominant point guard that he's going to have to get certain touches, a certain amount mm-hmm. of touches, and I, I could definitely understand why that would bother some people. But, and, you know, it, it, it just seems like they can get on the same collective page. Yeah. It seems like you, you have one guy reading one page of a book instead of just doing it all together, and it's, it's definitely going to be their downfall. <laughs> yeah, I would 100% agree with that. Um, I mean... You're right. Like, I think I had them as the number four seed coming into the year. And, like, yeah, John Wall missed a bunch of times, so that would naturally cost them, much as every other team that lost a star for an extended time. That cost them a handful of wins, if not more. But, yeah, this team really, I mean, even since Wall has come back, like, they're, God, since mid-March, I think they're three and nine over the last 12 games like that's not the momentum you want to have coming into the playoffs especially Mm. when some of those losses came against chicago no offense (laughs) and atlanta and orlando on the last night of the regular season yes john wall didn't play but you know maybe maybe they were trying to tank their way into a matchup with boston but I don't know. You know, they, they did beat the Celtics on Tuesday, so maybe that gives them some confidence heading in the playoffs, but something just feels off with this oh. team, and I, it's hard to put your finger on what it is without actually being in that locker room, but I do expect, like you said, that to be their downfall. Um, it's, it's interesting, though, to note one thing, because Scotty Brooks, you know, as you said, came out and called them... Uh, selfish yeah like they're fourth in the league in assists per game so that just means that it's some it's something else than not sharing the basketball because the numbers mm-hmm. are definitely suggesting well they're they're sharing the ball the ball's moving but Gartad coming out and saying well the ball is moving the way that they want 
with with Walden in the lineup, just that just to me smells so much yeah. of chemistry issues and him yeah. just saying something to get something off his chest. Right. I don't know yeah. what it is, but yeah, I mean, well, I, for, I think we do know what it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't know what caused it. We don't right. know what what the root of it is, and yeah. I mean, their only hope, and this would be horrific is to have like a players only team meeting right before yeah. game one which is just not, not optimal but right yeah yeah i mean because they again they have the talent and in theory on paper they match up well like both teams have a pair of all-star caliber guards and mm-hmm. you know kyle lowry deron Rosen versus john wall and bradley beal like the, the the wizards front court it's not like they're not all-stars but they're competent guys. Like they'll, they should be able to hold their own against Ibaka and Valanciunas. Otto Porter, I mean, OG is a very good defender, but Otto Porter, I would say, has a clear advantage there. Like, oh yeah. In terms of starting fives, you could argue Washington's is better than Toronto's. So like, there is upset potential here, but it does just feel like the Wizards are going to shoot themselves in the foot somehow, some way. Yep. That said, when or if or when. The Raptors lose game one to the Wizards as they are wont to do in this first round. Oh my god, basketball Twitter is going to be sensational. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen this time around. No, I don't either. So uh, let's let's briefly hit some X factors in this series. For Washington, I think Kelly Oubre is the obvious one, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, coming off the bench, like he's their only bench player with <laughs> right. you know a legitimate hope for, for impact in the game. Or I mean... We don't know about Ty Lawson. Lawson yeah. just got picked up. It's so late. I mean, this is a Tracy McGrady thing. Like, not playing in the regular season for the Spurs, but playing in the playoffs. I, I kind of hope that Brooks just goes to Lawson and go, just score the ball. I don't care if you go outside of our offense. It doesn't matter. Just score the damn basketball. <laughs> it, it would be hilarious if playoff Ty Lawson is a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, he wasn't terrible and i mean he last played last season in sacramento and he was like he was okay he wasn't terrible he's not a bad player the thing is he was actually very very good until the dui thing came up and like he was even performing at that point the dui um you know making that public i -hmm. think that just ruined him like emotionally and like the talent didn't go anywhere no, he's three seasons removed from a, a season where he had 15 points and almost 10 assists per game right. in Denver as Denver's starting point guard. Like, he's, it's, I'm fascinated by this thing. Like, it, that actually has the potential to be a huge X factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about Toronto? I mean, <laughs> take your pick, right? You mentioned Ibaka, but like anyone not named Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, basically. Yeah, oh, it's everyone, it's the entire bench. I mean, look, C.J. Miles has been awful shooting the basketball of late. Mm-hmm. So I think this this playoff thing is going to be, like, so, so welcome to him. Like, yeah. he can just say, all right, regular season is done. The percentage is a reset. Uh, I don't have to look at my game tracking or whatever. I can just come in, clean slate, game one. It's fresh off the boat and start shooting. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's the approach he has to take. Yeah, I totally agree. Josh Howe of Raptors Republic actually had a good piece about he CJ did, Miles yeah. the other day. So 
check that out on Twitter. And, and CJ Miles' wife <laughs> right. that piece as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he is at How Evolution, so check him out on Twitter for all your Raptors coverage throughout the playoffs. More, who you got in this one, and then how many games? Uh, Raptors in five, much like you, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's Raptors in six, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's <laughs> Raptors in four. Right, I agree. Yeah, I don't feel especially confident in any of these picks. I'm going to oh. preface that right now, but yeah, I, I I think Raptors in five, but like you, it could be. I mean, I wouldn't be totally floored if the Wizards win, to be honest. Like, uh, I, I would be. I would be. I mean, would look, you? yeah, I would because... I'm not buying into the fact that Toronto would just automatically revert back. Yeah, they've, that's fair. They've been so good. I mean, I, I think it's kind of crapping on them to just assume they'll revert back when they basically changed fundamental aspects of their system. Right. So yeah. so I'm, I'm a believer. I'm not necessarily worried they're going to revert back. I just feel like the Wizards have a very high ceiling. They're, we'll talk mm. about OKC in our next episode. They feel like basically East Coast OKC, where they have... A very yeah. high ceiling and a very low floor, and you don't know which one you're going to get on any given night. But if they like That's put fair. everything together for one series, I could see that. I mean, shit, I could see them making the conference finals. Well, let's not go crazy. <laughs> I'm not saying it's going to happen, but like <laughs> those guys are going to go into the playoffs very well, it's, confident. It's interesting. I mean, I, I, I don't. I you are much higher on on Washington right now than I am, but yeah. I mean theoretically yes the talent is there but if you have chemistry issues in the locker room (laughs) right that yeah yeah, i right i don't expect it to happen i'm just saying no you're you're just believing in playoff ty lawson is what you're doing (laughs) exactly yeah hey everybody this is brian from the glue guys nets show on almighty baller just wanted to talk to you about sponsor and friend of the network HelloFresh. so i've had a few meal kit delivery services in my day i for one am very excited to be having HelloFresh as a sponsor so i am a kind of a deadbeat and a pretty disorganized person in my life and one thing that i very much appreciate about HelloFresh's business was i had left town for a while while they were delivering the package and i came home two days later after it had been delivered and discovered that it was perfectly preserved nothing wrong two days in a new york city insanely hot october for some reason and it was perfectly preserved my produce was fine my meats were fine everything was totally fine lots of ice packages all over the place really closely wrapped i very much appreciated the fact that i wasn't gonna have to let my hello fresh packages go to waste that felt really good to me also an important thing to note while i am a deadbeat in some ways I'm not in others, I do actually do a fair amount of cooking, and I really appreciate HelloFresh for this reason too. Sometimes you get these you know, delivery services and you get all these kinds of off-brand things in the package. It's None of it's really what you're used to. I got King's Hawaiian Rolls with my burgers this time. Like the brand, the 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 actual thing, and it was and it was such a breath of fresh air to see a, a brand that I was very familiar with, liked a lot, coming inside the package, and it made all the difference for my juicy Lucy burgers that I whipped up. So all that's to say, HelloFresh is easily my favorite of of the services. Tons of choices. You got classic style, family style, even vegetarian meals. Lots of benefits to subscribing. Um, you can get delicious filling meals delivered right to your door every week for less than $10 per serving and free shipping. 
So for a total of $60 off, that's $20 off your first three boxes, visit HelloFresh.com backslash Almighty60 and enter Almighty60. That's HelloFresh.com backslash Almighty60, A-L-M-I-G-H-T-Y-6-0 and enter Almighty 60. It's like receiving six meals free or up to 50% off three boxes. All right, let's switch to the Celtics and Bucks. This is the 2-7 series. Like the, <laughs> the like most the, sad series we'll I get know. in the first round. It's I so know. unfortunate. So the two teams split the season series 2-2. Two to two. Obviously, from the Celtics side, the big story is yeah. injuries. Not only Gordon Hayward, but Kyrie Irving is now done for the year. Marcus Smart, it sounds like, could be back toward the end of the series. Sham Sharani of Yahoo Sports reported they're expecting to clear him around April 27th, which I believe would line up with, like, Game 6 if it goes that far. But they're going to be without him for most of the series, and also Daniel Tice out for the year as well. So, Mort... Obvious question. Do the Celtics have enough firepower, especially offensively, to hold their own without, I mean, Irving and Hayward? Had this been any other team currently in the Eastern Conference playoffs, I would have said no. Mm-hmm. But because the Bucks have played <laughs> so weirdly yep. all you know throughout the entirety of the season, uh-huh. I'm, I'm going to say they have a shot at this one. This is like the best matchup the Celtics could ever have to hope for. Yeah. Like what seemed... what did Milwaukee get smoked for last night by Philly? How <laughs> by how much? Uh 35 I believe was the final score. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah I think it was 130 to 95. Oh, that's just yeah, that's so bad. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's weird to say like a team should be excited to draw Giannis Antetokounmpo, especially given mm. what the Bucks did to the Raptors last year in the playoffs not that they won the first round series but like they they won the first two games i believe they put a real competitive yeah Yeah. so yeah it's weird to think that like yeah the celtics should be happy but i'm i'm right with you mort like i i if the wizards or heat were the seventh seed i think i would pretty confidently pick them over the celtics i think this is probably the best coin flip the celtics could have hoped for given their injury issues yep do you think they have the personnel to slow down all of the Bucks' weapons, namely Giannis, Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, Jabari Parker? No, not, no, not shutting them down. I think they'll give them a scare here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, if It all depends on Marcus Smart, really. If mm-hmm. he comes back a little bit ahead of schedule, which, you know, it's the NBA, anything can happen. <laughs> right. Um, I, I think I could see him really do some damage to Chris Middleton. Yeah. And I would enjoy seeing him on Giannis just for the funsies. Oh my Not God. that, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean, shut them down. I'm, no, no. Jason Tatum has some length, and he's mm-hmm. pretty disciplined. Yep. But it's still Giannis. So yeah. I, I'm not seeing Giannis being slowed down at all. If anything, it's probably Eric Bledsoe being somewhat limited by just a rotating plethora of wings and guards Brett Stevens throws at him mm-hmm. and that's about it really yeah I mean the Celtics did have the number one ranked defense or they finished with the number one ranked defense in the NBA this year so mm-hmm. I think that's their best hope in this series is just to ugly this thing up because yeah that's what they do like it's collective right. 
you know, do you, do you think when you look at the Celtics, do you think there's one guy who just stands out as like as as the key component? Because you could argue Hal Horford, but he's more yeah. like, a, but yet, you know, they don't have this defensive player of the year, you know, typecast center. Big ass wing and like Paul George going. It's it's just a collective effort all around, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I wanna. I'm gonna try to see if I can find this because Matt Moore pulled it up uh, of the Action Network earlier today, and it was like something about how Al Horford against Milwaukee, the on off splits with him were like absolutely preposterous. Yeah, here we go. Oh, yeah, okay. So when he's on the court. Right. They're 8.7 points per 100 possessions better than their opponent against Milwaukee. There was 139 minutes with him on the court. In the 53 minutes he rested, they got outscored by 24.3 points oh per 100 goodness. possessions. A differential of 33.0. The next closest Celtic was Marcus Smart at 8.6. So, yeah, I think... <laughs> that that would be the answer, Ward. I think Al Horford. Yeah, I mean, you know, he he is a consistent punchline, especially on Sixers Twitter, because you know he always gets the like, oh, this this random dude who's averaging like fourteen five and four is an all star, really. But yeah, like he's he's actually very good, even though you know his numbers don't jump off the screen. He he averaged thirteen point seven rebounds, five assists this year. It's that doesn't scream superstar but oh but he is he, yeah right, right. the impact he has it, it outweighs what the box score would suggest so yep. i mean I, I think that that's the main guy i think the celtics main advantage in this series is a they have a bunch of wings and forwards as you mentioned to really match up i mean no one, no one can really match up with a greek freak but you know, to right. at least cause some trouble with Tatum, with Brown, with Marcus Morris. They have Shemi Ojale off the bench. They also have a bunch of bigs, which is really Milwaukee's biggest weakness. You've got Horford. You have Aaron Baines. You have Greg Monroe. How great is this if we get a Greg Monroe revenge series? Uh, I'd be all in for that one, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's possible. Like, that's easily Milwaukee's biggest weakness in terms of roster construction right like Mm -hmm. i I think that's an enormous advantage for boston with those guys going against a john henson and a thon maker and a tyler zeller Ah, i would i would think assume so i mean greg is i was not high on him coming to boston because Mm -hmm. i didn't like the fit there and we were talking about like how could he adjust to make himself like an asset for for the Celtics. And Mm -hmm. we agreed that he would need to pass a lot more, especially out of the post. Like, bait guys to, like, come help uh, in the post when he was, you know, down on the block and then just throw it back out. Mm -hmm. He's done a marvelous job at doing that. And he's really been rebounding his ass off. And Brad Stevens has more or less just milked him offensively. Mm -hmm. And... yeah, he's, his efficiency from the floor has gone a little bit down. That was maybe to expect be expected because they needed to get him some some rhythm shots to go into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But he seems to be somewhat confident in, in his role in Boston right now. So for him to look at Milwaukee and go, you know what? 
you don't really have anyone up front that can really guard me all the time, especially <laughs> coming off the bench. Right. I wouldn't be surprised to see him have one of those, you know, 25-12 games. Yeah. I mean, he had a triple-double against the Bulls on Friday. He did, yeah. Yeah, he's been playing very well. It's not that I expect him to play 35 minutes per game in this series, but right. like 20 minutes off the bench, I think he's going to have, you know, spoiler alert for the X-Factor section, throw Greg Monroe in there. Um, that said, more the, the Bucks are getting healthier. They just got Malcolm Brogdon back the other night. They got Delvadova back on Wednesday. Not that mm-hmm. it made a huge difference, but do you think it's going to change anything that they got those guys back heading into this series? It should. I mean, they're both major pieces to that team. Mm-hmm. And, and least we forget, Jabari Parker is still acclimating himself to returning yep. after his second ACL tear. So... There is some rust that needs to be shaken off. Mm-hmm. But if they can shake that rust off in time, then we could be in for an interesting series. I, the, the complaint I've had about Milwaukee throughout the course of the season is even without those guys, you would expect a greater result than mm-hmm. what they've achieved. But obviously, like injuries will always put a ceiling on, on the, the potential of a team. I get that. Mm-hmm. Having those guys back is an asset. But now we'll have to see, like, are they ready to come out and play intense basketball, especially in a playoff atmosphere for 20 minutes a game? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah. We'll see. I, but Brockton is definitely, like, if he can play, what, one through three? Yeah. I mean, if, I mean, if anything, I think it gives them more flexibility in terms of lineups. And, you know, since Boston's biggest advantage over them is going to be their advantage in the front court, all right, downsize small ball lineup and make them right. guard you. You know, you can do a Giannis at the five mm. and Jabari or Middleton at the four. And now you have Bledsoe and Brogdon and Tony Snell and Delhi. Like you have some more flexibility there that you didn't necessarily have for the past couple months. So, I mean, it's going to be really interesting because we haven't seen Joe Prunty with these guys all that often. Like, I guess they were there for a couple weeks after Jason Kidd got fired, but they both went down in like late January, early February, right? Yeah. So no, it's it's gonna be completely new, basically. Yeah. yeah. But I like that idea. Like Giannis at the five, Jabari at the four, Chris Middleton at the three, Brockton at two, and Bledsoe at one. Mm-hmm. That would be some serious offensive firepower. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's gonna be this series is gonna be a fascinating look into. <laughs> matchups because the two teams have such different strengths and then mm. also I feel like that's another huge advantage for the Celtics is you know Brad Stevens coaching Wonderkin versus a guy an interim coach who replaced an already bad coach yeah <laughs> <laughs> like it that's a huge advantage in Boston's favor so if it comes down to in-game adjustments or you know game two game adjustments I think Boston, that's going to be very much in Boston's favor. So, Ward, I already mentioned Monroe as a Celtics X-Factor. Anyone else jump out at you for them? Oh, from the Celtics? Mm -hmm. Um, Terry Rozier. Yeah, probably. I mean, he's apparently he actually talked to Kyrie about how he should prepare himself for the playoffs as the starting point guard. Which I thought, yeah, I, I found that interesting as well. Uh, just how to lead the offense and stuff like that. 
Mm-hmm. So it's no secret that Rochier has been, throughout the course of his NBA career, playing more like an undersized two than a pure point. Mm-hmm. Like his rebounding numbers have consistently been higher than his assist numbers. He's more of a scorer than he is like a natural facilitator. Yep. But I, I kind of like how Stevens has embraced that. And I don't want Rochier to tweak his game too much. Like, mm-hmm. fine, if he becomes, like, a guy who, who warrants a lot of attention and he can find the open man, that's always great, regardless of how, what your mindset is. If you can get other people baskets easier, absolutely go for it. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to see him end up passive. If The worst thing that could happen for the Celtics is Rochier starting to overthink, like, how do I get my teammates involved? How do I get to seven assists a game just to... Yeah like be at that level no he has to be aggressive he has to play his game and if passing lanes opens up naturally for him and he takes advantage of them great if not and he goes to the rack instead i'm pretty sure that he'll convert some of those looks or get to the line and and make something happen anyway so uh, i i just find it important that he sticks to what he does well yeah totally agree and i mean It'll be that's obviously you know go, going against a guy like Bledsoe who he's not especially experienced when it comes to the playoffs, but far more seasoned in the NBA in general. I mean, yeah, you know that's going to be how he fares against Bledsoe could go a long way toward determining this series. So good call there, uh, Milwaukee. I feel like we already hit most of them, uh, Brogdon and Delhi for the guards, especially since guard is now somewhat of a weakness for the Celtics and then also Don Maker and Henson like if those guys give Milwaukee more production than they expected out of that front court that could help swing a game or two right yeah but I feel you're forgetting someone here who's that Brandon Jennings oh yeah that's a good call like he he had a pretty good debut yeah he did (laughs) (laughs) he's he's come back to earth admittedly but I mean, this guy can still shoot. He's still pretty dynamic. He can handle the ball. He can create his own shot. I mean, I'm not completely convinced that he could not be a factor. You're you're spot on. I, I think, especially since Smart is probably going to be out for most or all of that series. Again, it just goes back to if Milwaukee downsizes, as they should, Jennings could have a notable role off the bench or at least help swing mm-hmm. a game or two. Yeah. So, Mort, this one, I, I'm honestly, it could go either way. It wouldn't surprise me, but who do you have in this one? Yeah, I, I probably <laughs> have the Bucks, um, but I don't know. This yeah. is like so even. I know. That's that's that's. I mean, look, the Celtics. Like I said earlier, they would have been just dead in the water against mm-hmm. anyone else. Yep. But because it's the box and they've been so up and down, I just don't know. This series could literally go four sip either way, or it could go seven games down to the final buzzer. I have no idea. Like, usually you have an idea of how a series is going to be, mm-hmm. and you're maybe off like a game or two. Mm-hmm. This one, I could be off by four. I have yeah. no idea. I'm right with you. I how So you take the box how many games? Uh, just for the hell of it, seven. Love it. I, yeah. You have you have Celtics at seven, so I'm just gonna right. go Bucks in seven because, yeah, yeah. I I'm with you. I have no idea. Again, would not surprise me 
no outcome would surprise me save for a Celtic sweep, I think. I don't yeah, think okay, the Celtics well, are going to sweep. Right. I would agree with that, but I would also agree that it's not likely that the Bucks sweep. Right. Because That's they're true. just yeah. so so inconsistent yeah. it's yeah. it's gonna be a fascinating series in itself it's oh it's very close to tank tv basically just watching <laughs> nba teams tank and how yeah. bad it can get just the playoffs version right right oh yeah this, this one has nba tv written all over it oh yeah yeah all right Mort, it's time the first time ever on this podcast that we get to discuss the philadelphia 76ers in the playoffs yeah i'm just gonna sit back for 20 minutes and you know shut off my mic and not pay attention and then you just give me like a holler when i need to come back in right that's fair well i i'm gonna just preface this by saying i'm terrified of this series so the sixers have won 16 straight they clinched the number three by smashing the Bucks on Wednesday, even though they didn't even need to because the Cavs lost to the Knicks. Shout out to Jeff Hornacek, who is now unemployed. Uh, they're they taking on the Heat. They split the series 2-2 two to two, uh, in the regular season. I'm, like, really... I'm scared of this series. I'm seeing a lot of people picking the Sixers to go, like, to the conference finals or even the NBA finals. Like, Adam from all of Bleacher Report, who I respect the hell out of, one of the most analytically-minded guys out there, had the Sixers in the finals today, and I can't believe my eyes. Like, I'm very afraid of a first-round upset here. Am I being unreasonable? No, you're being a fan. <laughs> Is that just... Yeah, I think okay. that's it. Yeah, yeah, you're overthinking it. You're, you're, I mean, look, you're emotionally involved to a point where, I mean, you're nervous. You shouldn't yeah. be. Yeah, I mean, well, look, look at what they've done. They've just run out 15 straight. Ben Simmons just became an animal while Joel Embiid was out, <laughs> right. and you're playing the goddamn Miami Heat. That, but see, like the, I don't want to. I, I don't think they deserve like a derogatory. Like the Heat are good. They're good, but it's a team with role players. This yeah. is, I, I've said this for so long. This team is the perfect landing spot for like a rookie superstar. Like if mm-hmm. they get lucky in the draft and find a superstar. Because the, the supporting cast is right there, locked mm-hmm. up for long term. But they don't have a single star. <laughs> Joel Embiid is going to come back. Yeah. Ben Simmons is there. Markel Fultz just had a triple-double as the youngest player in NBA history mm-hmm. and coming off the bench feeling more and more confident every single game he's out there. And by the way, when I say that triple-double thing, I don't care about the triple-double. I care about <laughs> right. the production. Yeah. I care about him going out and just kind of feeling himself a little bit because that's important. You have Robert Covington who is just draining triples all day long while playing exceptional defense. Mm-hmm. You have J.J. Redick, one of the primary shooters in the damn league. You finally have a bench. Marco Bellinelli, Erzan Ilyasova. I mean, Rashawn Holmes. Yep. Oh, yeah. I'm so afraid of James Johnson, Brian. Oh, I no. Mean... Oh, no. James Johnson, he, he had a 12-foot hook in the lane. I'm so afraid, Brian. <laughs> so, okay. So here are the things that are giving me pause. One, mm-hmm. Embiid has already said he's unlikely to play game one. We don't know when he's going to come back presumably i think you're right sometime in the series but if it's like game two or game four that makes a difference depending on the outcome of the first couple games two like yeah you're right they don't have a a superstar no offense to goran dragic all-star whatever but 
that that like kind of makes them dangerous, right? Like they're not the Raptors of last season, where if you shut down Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozan and dare all the other guy, all like your role players to beat you, okay, it's not gonna happen. Like Miami, I might still be scarred from the regular season game right after Dwayne Wade came back, where he had like twenty five points and hit a game winning three pointer, like that he had no effing business hitting. But now they have guys off the bench like a Tyler Johnson, like a Dwayne Wade, like a Wayne Ellington, who had 32 mm-hmm. points against the Raptors last night to clinch the sixth seed. Like, that makes me nervous to have that many guys who could go off on any given night. Look, look it's a good team. They're probably going to take a game as well. Yeah. I'm not saying that Miami is a bad team. What I'm saying here is if I'm the Sixers specifically, I'm not mm-hmm. scared. If okay. this was... If this was the Celtics or if this was the Bucks yep. that was going up against the Heat, I would not have made any jokes whatsoever. I'm talking about this is the 76ers who are so much better than anyone else at that point. Like they are in the category with Toronto and with a fully healthy Boston. Mm-hmm. That's where yeah. they're at. Oh, yeah, I'm not supposed to say that. I'm jinxing. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just, it's weird to hear you say that. It's still like just Why? so surreal. Because they won ten games two years ago, I I know, but they things change quickly. It's the yeah. NBA. It's great, but I mean, and and to your point about Goran Dragic being an All Star, he <laughs> is, and he's a fantastic player, but he's not a superstar. Right. So right. that's why I'm saying they have a complementary team in place. They have the second star. They have the third star in Hassan Whiteside. They just need that one guy. But I mean, how how are they going to defend? You know, J.J. Redding running around screens and Ben Simmons just owning the paint. I mean, what are they going to do here? What's their response? I mean, I'm pretty sure that James Johnson is going to be put on Ben for some stretches because Mm -hmm. James is a good defender. But are we really going to sit here and insinuate that James Johnson is going to lock Ben Simmons down? No. And I think that Nikias Duncan... um, uh, forget where where does he right now does he oh yeah i don't know he was at fan rack former <laughs> yeah. fan rack beat writer right. yes, former fan rack oh he writes for b-ball breakdown now okay cool so yeah he was pointing that out earlier where like yeah james johnson is gonna be on ben a lot but that leads to a lot of cross matches mm-hmm. where um like who was it i think it, josh richardson was on sarich a lot of the time uh yeah. yeah so and like that obviously creates some complications like james yes. johnson is a very good defender josh richardson is an excellent defender like they have the personnel to cause trouble but yeah. i think philly's supersized starting lineup just is like such a nightmare to guard for most teams that that complicates things for miami for sure here's where i'm at i would be downright i mean not just surprised, I would be cartoonish, my hat would jump 10 feet in the air kind of surprised mm-hmm. if Miami came out of this series. Really? Wow. I would. Be, look, this is. I, I, I realize that people are sitting there thinking, oh, more is just crapping on Miami. That No, that's not the case. I'm crapping on you for thinking Philly isn't somehow better because you're still at that romantic period in time where you're like, oh, we're not supposed to be this good. Everything else is great. <laughs> yeah. Shut up, Brian. <laughs> I just accept that your team is good, damn it. 
No, to be fair, I did this exact thing with the Eagles while they yeah, were you did. marching. Oh my gosh, you were such a pill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh no, I have a, uh, <laughs> I have like written documentation before every game where I was like, "Well, Nick Foles is gonna crap the bed against Atlanta. Well, well, he beat Atlanta, but he's definitely gonna crap the bed against the Vikings, <laughs> and so on and so forth." So this, you're right. It might just be a defense mechanism, but. I do have one incredibly scorching hot take, or I think mm-hmm. it's a scorching hot take. It's not that the Sixers are better without Joel Embiid, because they are not. That that would be even too hot for me. I'm not I skip bailing here. Yeah, but in this particular matchup, I do think there is some advantage to him missing at least the first game, if not the first game or two. Two reasons. Uh-huh. One. Hassan Whiteside is still salty as hell from that preseason game mm-hmm. where Embiid called him out and called him a softy and said, you're plus minus his ass. Yeah. And like ever since then, in every game he's played this season, he's probably the most locked in he's been against any team. Like he gets mm-hmm. fired up for these games. So having not having Embiid, like maybe he just isn't all there or as, as engaged as he otherwise would be i mean it's the playoffs so you would hope he would be fired up but like every comment from a fellow heat teammate about him is always like yeah when he wants to be he's one of the best centers in the nba it's like what well, when he wants to be <laughs> like oh okay two because they won't have mb at least for game one they're gonna have to go with more stretch lineups where they have either Ilyasova at the five or sean holmes at the five maybe even dario at the five that's going to draw him out, Hassan out of the paint uh, in defense, and then that really just mitigates why you have him on the floor. You have him as oh, a yeah. rebounder, as a shot blocker. So for that reason, again, not that they're better without Embiid overall, but I think it does – I mean, I, I think the fact they haven't had Embiid in the last couple games and the fact they've gotten comfortable without him, like we have seen Philly's offense go absolutely nuclear. Like, they dropped 132 against the Cavs, and yes, the Cavs' defense is atrocious, but the point stands. You know, they they had 130 against Milwaukee on Wednesday. I'm trying to look back. They haven't scored fewer than 100 points since this winning streak started. Their lowest was 109, or no, no, 108 against Charlotte on March 19th. But otherwise, oh no, sorry, sorry. Correction, 101 against Atlanta on March 30th. But otherwise, they've cracked 110 in all but three of those games. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, that that gives me at least a little more confidence. I think the fact that their bench is not an absolute train wreck anymore, but as you mentioned, because of Bellinelli, Fultz, Eliasova, you know, Amir Johnson's been a starter, but he'll move back to the bench when, um, when Embiid comes back. Rashawn Holmes has been... You know, he was basically Better. out of the... Yeah, he's been, like, engaged. He was out of the rotation much of the year, just not playing playing as much as I would have liked to see him. So the fact that he's been making a sizable impact recently, hopefully we'll have him locked in. I'm with you, more. Like, this... Philly should be favored in this series. They are well, favored in this series. Right. <laughs> right, and they should be. But I, I, I'm still a little bit worried. Yeah. So, regards to your two points, number two is correct by drawing Whiteside out of the paint. Mm-hmm. Your number one point is just you dripping insecurity, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> because 
you're saying that Whiteside might get up for these games. Here's uh-huh. the thing. An NBA player don't need to get up for a game if the other guy's playing or not. He's going to be in the building. Joel Embiid is going to be on the Sixers bench. That's going to be enough. Yeah, so Hassan Whiteside is going to be looking at Embiid all game long going, Oh, I got this. <laughs> I got this. And say a lot of not nice words that I'm not going to repeat. While Joel Embiid is going to sit there stewing. And you know what I would find preferable? Him trying to say, oh, I got this, and then not got it, not having it, because Joel Embiid <laughs> is right there to stop him. Right. Yeah, you're not wrong. So, yeah. Brian, pack in the insecurity. <laughs> just accept the fact that Philly is definitely the major favorite in this one. And let's just give some give some credit to the Heat for a, a good, solid, regular season. Because it has been. like the, mm-hmm. What they've done with this team, without having that Tier 1 star... Yep. That's that's been that's been great. It's really been great. And now it's time to say, well, it was great, and let's just hope you get yourself competitive in the playoffs, and we'll see you next year. Sixers in four. <laughs> wow! Are you serious? Yeah, and you know what? I'm saying Sixers in four just to piss you off or just make you <laughs> nervous. Yeah. Totally I I, I think they're gonna. I don't think that's gonna happen, but I'm gonna take it anyway just to just to rile you up a little bit. You are jinxing the hell out of them. You asked. Yeah, I am. (laughs) (laughs) I have Sixers and Six. I again, I just the whole yes, they don't have a star, but like I could see Kelly Olynyk having a big game out of nowhere. Wayne Ellington, Tyler Johnson, Josh Richardson, all of these guys just linger as like possible difference makers in one game, and that you know that it always happens like. In the playoffs, there's always one game where, like, some role player comes out of nowhere to drop 20 points, and he helps swing a game. Miami right. has a lot of those guys, so that makes me nervous. But I think the fact that the bench has been so much better, like, that was – some of the Sixers' biggest bugaboos this year were, A, turnovers. They lead the league in turnovers and turnover percentage. B, fouls. They just foul the shit out of people. Mm. And C – their starting lineup was very good, and their bench was so bad, so they would open these like 15-point leads and promptly just give them right back. Now, yeah. with Ilyasova, Bellinelli, Fultz, so on and so forth, they've actually, they're still giving up leads occasionally, as they did against Cleveland in that game on Friday, but they have shown the ability to also open a mu- massive lead and then continue building on it as they again against Milwaukee. So, Sixers and Six, don't jinx them ever again, Mort. I hate you. Let's move on to the final Eastern Conference. I'll, I'll jinx them again for the next round because you're going to be a wreck <laughs> at that point. Oh, my God. You're not wrong. Okay, let's let's finish things up with the Cavaliers, number four seed Cavaliers versus the number five seed Pacers. The Pacers actually won the season series three to one. Do you think that means anything heading into this series, Mort? No, I, I don't think it means anything in the, in the regular season, but I do think... <clears throat> that Indiana has a chance to at least give Cleveland a little bit of a test. Mm. It's not like Indiana is a bad team, and Victor Oladipo just kind of rejuvenated them. Domantas mm-hmm. Sabonis has been good. Miles yeah. Turner's been a little bit disappointing, but I'm kind of hoping he takes a similar approach to mm-hmm. as CJ as the approach that I hope CJ Miles is going <laughs> to take. Like, right. you know, the regular season is done, playoffs are starting. You know, yep. fresh, fresh. Uh, fresh plate and then just go from there and Bojan Bogdanovic is just mm-hmm. murdering people left and right these days yeah. like so I, I am 
not overly confident in Cleveland going out there and just sweeping the hell out of uh, of the Pacers. Mm-hmm. I think they'll win, mm-hmm. but I think Indiana is going to give them a test. That's fair. I mean, I, I in terms of their regular season record, it's absolutely meaningless because all four games came before the trade deadline. So we haven't seen Indiana against this Cleveland team. We saw mm. them against. I didn't know that. Yeah, then it's that absolutely meaningless. Yeah, yeah. And two of those games came in January, so it was like at at Cleveland's most dysfunctional with Isaiah mm. Thomas, like starting, you know, finding a new target to throw shit at after every game. So, yeah, I, I put zero stock. I mean, in general, I don't put much stock into a season series, regular season series, because the playoffs are just so different. You can focus so much more extensively on matchups and whatnot, whereas in the regular season, you kind of just run your own stuff, and then yeah, you scout opponents but not nearly as much but yeah the, right the, in this case zero impact um i mean here's <laughs> here is i like as i was writing these playoff power rankings for fan sided um i found or i was reminded of this stat about lebron james and it's it's just so surreal that it's really hard to believe is true but he has mm-hmm. won 21 straight first round games yeah he has had five sweeps the last time he lost a first round game was back in 2012 when he his miami heat lost to the new york knicks they knocked them off the next game and <laughs> thus began the half decade long sweeping so you've already said where you expect indiana to at least put up a fight mm-hmm because i don't look at history as being a factor Okay, so so that, what are the I, keys I, to like the Pacers? Not even necessarily pulling off the upset, but just like turning this from a four-game sweep into a five or six-game series. Basically, letting LeBron score how many points that he wants, and then locking everyone else down. Mm. And also, look the the, the complementary players that LeBron plays with, with right now mm. are heavily flawed. Each yep. and every one of them. Mm-hmm. That is at one point or another gonna come under display at because as you mentioned teams scout teams adjust teams go through video day and night in between games mm-hmm. so I, I think they're gonna find a way to just utilize all the uh, faults of of the cleveland supporting cast and that's gonna win them a game maybe even two i'm not saying they're gonna win the series right but they're gonna give them a test it's it's fair and they have known lebron james antagonist lance stevenson on their team so that's oh least... they should they should tell him to not do anything <laughs> yeah just don't piss lebron off whatever don't, you do don't, don't piss him off ear. don't block somebody's shot and stand in front while somebody else behind you slam dunk on your <laughs> face lance right huh. yeah that would be ideal that yeah would i mean be ideal you're right they have like the pacers have i think it's accurate to say they've flown under the radar all year like we waited all season for them you know like they got off to a good start when oladipo turned into an all-star and now he's like going to be the most improved player and we kept just waiting for the bottom to fall out like all right you know good for them but but when is when are they going to start regressing to the mean and they never did like this is just a good team like, I remember during the offseason after the Paul George trade, 
I, you know, they signed Bogdanovich, I think it was like a two-year, $21 million deal, and they signed Darren Collison to a two-year, $20 million deal. And I remember saying on this podcast, like, what are you doing, Indiana? Like, why? Your ceiling is like the 10th seed, but now you're you're ensuring that you're not going to be so bad that you won't tank for a top three pick. Like, it just felt like they were right. trapping themselves in the mediocrity. I didn't foresee, obviously, Oladipo breaking out the way he did. Neither uh, did they. Right, right, exactly. Um, but you're right. Like they do have not only Oladipo, who was a deserving All Star, but they have a bunch of good. It feels mean to call them role players because like they're, they're just like good starters. But Bogdanovich, Collison, Thaddeus Young, like ironically, Miles Turner, who we all thought was like their best hope heading into the year of having this breakout season and really fueling their rise back up the Eastern Conference standings, as you said, Mort. He's been underwhelming. Like, he Mm -hmm. hadn't made much progress. So I think that's going to be really interesting to see if he can turn it on against... I mean, the Cavs have the 29th-ranked defense in the league. The only team worse than them were the Phoenix Suns. So, like, the door is open for Indiana. I mean, it's... The Cavs aren't going to try to win, like, the way the Celtics or the Utah Jazz are. They're not going to try to win these, like... 90 to 85 games the Cavs are totally comfortable doing like 120 to 112 you gotta outscore us yeah they're taking a Houston approach and have taken that approach for a couple years now so if if Indiana can find their defensive a game Mm -hmm. just a little bit and, Mm -hmm. and facilitate a little bit more offensively like they still have a gap to fill absolutely Mm -hmm. but Victor Oladipo I mean I'm not I'm not putting it out, uh, you know, out of the question that he goes into the series thinking, you know what, I may have to average 32. Yeah. yeah. And then does it. Right? It wouldn't, it wouldn't totally shock me. So who do you have as the X-Factors? We'll start with Indiana since we've been talking about that. Well, Miles Turner is one. Uh, yeah. Another is actually Glenn Robinson III. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, he's he's look he he came back somewhat recently. He's played twenty three games this year, um, and he's been up and down. But I like his size. I like his athleticism. He can shoot a little bit. He's one of those guys who doesn't really have like a major offensive weakness, mm-hmm. and he just hasn't put everything together yet. Mm-hmm. And I I have this feeling that he could, during the playoffs where everything is a little bit more intense and there's all that camaraderie and, you know, focus, that he might go, you know what, nobody is looking at me. Nobody is game planning Mm -hmm. for me. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to see what I can do. And then he'll scrap together a good game, maybe two. He'll be a factor and then Cleveland will have to adjust. I think he could be a guy who's who's making some noise, not saying he's going to come out averaging 15 but like seven or eight points off the bench on high percentages wouldn't surprise me. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, I respect that pick. Uh, I I was going to go with Turner, like you said, for all the reasons we laid out. I also think yeah. Corey Joseph, I mean, the Cavs backup point guard is Jose Calderon right now. Like mm-hmm. that should be a huge advantage. Corey Joseph should really reap Jose Calderon's soul. So uh, again, yeah. I, I, I'm not expecting the Pacers to win the series by any means, but that feels like a matchup they could at least exploit a little bit. Um, let's flip it to the Cavs now. We can't say LeBron is an X-Factor, or Kevin Love for that matter, but 
really the rest of their guys could be. So who are you picking as an X Factor for Cleveland? Jordan Clarkson. That's a good one. I mean, is there really anyone else? I feel his ceiling is just so much higher than what he's shown, at least in Cleveland. Like, mm-hmm. he was finding it a little bit in L.A. Mm-hmm. He was scoring a lot and, and contributing a lot in different areas in small minutes. And he sort of tried to rediscover himself in Cleveland. I'm not sure it's worked out so you know so great yet. He's got decent percentages, but I'm kind of missing the volume. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking that that would be necessary for Cleveland also just not to overutilize LeBron James. Just give Jordan Clarkson a little bit more responsibility offensively. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's a good call. I mean, really, it comes down to, like, anyone could be. Like Kyle Korver, J.R. Smith, mm. Rodney Hood, all those guys are, like, basically the Cleveland version of what I'm terrified Wayne Ellington's going to be. Uh Jeff Green's my guy, though. I gotta rep the Georgetown guy, because Jeff Green, like, he's been playing well-ish. I mean, he's fine. Like, he's been good, and I think from the last I saw, they were still planning on starting him in the playoffs. I mean, he had 33 points against Philly the other night on 10 of 12 shooting. Like, if they get... Yeah, yeah, if they get some big nights out of him... Like that, you know, they, they no longer have a big three. Kyrie is gone, but I'm not saying Jeff Green is going to replace him in the big three. But if they get that type of output from him, uh, I think Indiana, we're going to say bye Felicia to Indiana pretty quickly. So, Mort, let's wrap it up with who do you have in this series and in how many games? Cavs in... Five, maybe six. I'm leaning five. Hmm. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's six. I'm going Cavs at four. I just think... Yeah, I know. <laughs> playoff but, LeBron. Yeah, I, 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 I get that. I get that. I just don't think like historical attributes should be played in as a factor. And besides, LeBron was just chasing the 82-game mark from the for the first time in his career you know, thing. And... I don't think it's a coincidence that he also had over 700 rebounds and 700 assists for the first time, both in his career. Like, he's never cracked 700 boards, 700 assists in a single season. Mm -hmm. And I think he targeted those numbers this year and just went full throttle Mm -hmm. towards the playoffs. And I get it. He's a machine. He's not alive. Whatever. But fatigue is is a thing. It's mm-hmm. really a thing, and I wouldn't be surprised if none of his teammates step up. That he's gonna be like, okay, then I have to take forty-one shots here in a random game three. Yeah, yeah, it's possible. I just think, I don't know. I, I think the amount of rest he'll get between games, I'm not all that concerned. I just, I, I think he's literally a robot. That's all that comes down yeah, to. Yeah. I think he's actually a robot. He's definitely gonna own this series because there's no one on indiana at the three and four spot that can really stop him like the right. best bet is T- thaddeus young and just yeah. like nope nope so <laughs> he's gonna get everything that he can look lebron is gonna be so fat after this series for drinking all of that milkshake from thaddeus young <laughs> yeah but right after the fourth 50 point triple double that he drops yeah no he's gonna have a ridiculous line yeah. it's just everyone else i'm i don't when i look at cleveland's roster Outside of LeBron, I'm so not blown away. No. At all. 
Yeah. I am well, extremely underwhelmed. Yeah. I, I guess. Kevin Love is good. Yeah, y'all, I'm not saying he's not good. I'm saying he's not as good as he used to be right. at all. But he was like, because Miles Turner didn't take the step forward he expected, Kevin Love is the third best player in this series on either team. I would agree with that, yeah. Yeah. So, talent wins out, and LeBron is just so fun. Like, all due respect to Rick Oladipo, who had a great series or a great season. LeBron is so, I mean, <laughs> the gap between LeBron and everyone else is. Oh, yeah. It's. Just Huge. gargantuan. Yeah. All right, Mort. That was a good preview of the East. Thank you to everyone who tuned in today. Uh, stay tuned uh, to us on the NBA Pod on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find all of our episodes there. We will be posting. That uh, we recorded this Thursday. We're going to post this tonight. We're going to record Western Conference and post that tomorrow, Friday, and then we'll be recording a bunch during the playoffs. So keep following us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. Also, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, so please follow us there. Download, leave some five-star reviews if you love any feedback. We're now being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so follow them as well at Almighty Casts. Until next time, I'm Brian Toporek, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, Brian. I'm looking forward to the Philadelphia 76ers sweeping the playoffs as the first team ever. <laughs> fo, 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 fo. <laughs> The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Of all the sounds you'll hear this summer. This might be your new favorite. They're blending up the new chocolate chip iced cap at Tim Hortons. Real chocolate chips blended into an iced cap for a sweet summer treat. It's Tim Hortons frozen take on a cappuccino. And it just might be the best sound of summer. Hurry into Tim Hortons for the new chocolate chip iced cap. Limited time at participating restaurants.